This summer we've been uh, talking about standing firm and about spiritual warfare. And all of us are involved in spiritual warfare. Uh, Whether you realize it or not, you're involved in it. Uh, Whether you're a Christian or not, you're involved in it. We have an enemy that that, uh, basically... He hates Christians and non-Christians, okay? And his desire is to, is to destroy human beings. And so we're trying to better equip ourselves and at least, uh, if nothing else, make ourselves aware of, of the, the weapons and, and, the, and the truths of God that God has given us. You see, as believers, we have an enemy, but he cannot compare with the power and the presence of the God we worship, okay? He, he doesn't come close, and, and, and we've given the devil far too long too much credit. Uh, he gets way too much credit. Uh, when things go wrong, God gets all the blame. And, uh, and so it, it's time that we as believers took up the authority and the responsibility that God's given us. Last week I made a statement. I'm going to say it again because I really believe it's a spiritual principle. And that is God will not do for you what he has already given you authority and power to do for yourself. Okay? And you can pray all you want. I'm just telling you that if God's given you permission to do it, he's put it in the word of God and said do it, then he's given you the authority and the power to do it. And if he's given you that then we're responsible to do it, okay? He will empower us, but we have to take responsibility. So this morning, I I want to talk a little bit more about the weapons of our warfare, and I want to talk specifically about the name of Jesus. For many years, I was a a, a superintendent for a a large plumbing company in Birmingham, and we, our specialty was... uh, was apartments. We, we did apartment work. And uh, working on an apartment complex meant that when you started the job, you usually had about a year's worth of work, maybe longer. So, I mean, if you were, if you're a construction worker, you could take a deep breath and just relax because you knew you had a job for at least a year. And so I was a superintendent for this company, and, and meaning my job was to oversee a, a crew of, of, of men that installed all the on-site plumbing. And, and what that meant is that very often we put in the fire mains and the fire plugs. We put in the, uh, the sewer mains and, and connected the buildings to the sewers. We ran the water inside the complex and to the buildings. And then we, we, we roughed the buildings in, put the, the drainage and the water in, and, and ultimately set all the fixtures. So it was a, it was a pretty big, big job. And depending on how large the apartment complex was. And on that job, I represented the owner of the plumbing company I worked for. I was his representative. Uh, when I told a building contractor or, or the superintendent or one of the other uh, subs for another country, uh, country, sometimes it was like that, <laughs> uh, that a particular phase or job would be finished by a certain time, I spoke for the man who owned the company, Okay. Uh, what I said, you know, he had given me authority to say, and when I said it, that that was the way it was. And so, you know, often uh, I'd have to order supplies, and so when I ordered those supplies, I ordered them on his account, 
I mean, it was his business. I spoke for him, and very often, I'm talking about tractor-trailer loads of supplies when we're talking about thousands and thousands of dollars. I had his authority to order them, and and, and I did that. Uh, He rarely came out on the job except to bring the checks. The only thing I didn't do was write the checks, okay? And uh, he would bring the checks out on Friday during the day and give them to me, and then I'd pass them out at the the end of the day. Uh, I represented him on that job. He had given me the authority to speak for him. He had given me to use his name to guarantee that the job would be finished when it was supposed to be finished. When uh, the contract date came to an end, everything was supposed to be completed. And I had the responsibility, but I also had the authority to make sure that happened. I represented him. him. Uh, My name wasn't on the contract, okay? His name was on the contract. Folks, Jesus has given us authority like that. We speak for Jesus when we speak. He's not just given us authority. He's given us power. My, my, the man I worked for had given me power that if, if I had employees that didn't show up on time and didn't do the job and weren't, you know, they, they just wasn't cutting the mustard, I had the authority to fire them, let them go. I had the authority to hire. Jesus has given us his name, and he's given us not just his name, Folks, we have been endued. We have been given the power of the Holy Spirit to carry the things that he wants done to completion, to fulfill those things. We've been given that privilege, and we've been given that responsibility to represent Jesus. Now, we can use his name. But sadly, I don't think most Christians understand what that means. For most of us, that has become, in Jesus' name, a little formula that we tack on to an end of a prayer. Kind of like when you get a gift wrapped and you tie a bow. Well, if you don't say, in Jesus' name, amen, the prayer's not complete, right? You know, you can nod your head. That's the way most people think. And what we do is we tack on, in Jesus' name, to whatever we pray, and we never think, what those in Jesus, those three little words really mean. Those three little words are probably the most powerful weapon that Jesus has given us. Every believer has been given the authority to use his name. Whether that believer is six years old or 95 years old. I mean, it's, it's like being given a weapon that that decimates when you pull the trigger. And hopefully, by the time I get through today, you, you'll understand that. It's, it's not something that we tack on the end of a prayer. It's not a magical formula that if I say this, this will happen. Okay, it's not that. No, when, when we speak, when we proclaim, when we declare, we do it in the place of Jesus. He's given us authority to speak for him, to act for him. And so this morning, as our worship leaders led us in worship, they worship, they led us in worship in Jesus' name. As I, as I preach this morning, I'm going to preach in Jesus' name. Okay? As you go out today and as you minister, you're doing it in Jesus' name. 
when you pray, what you're asking for, you're asking believing in faith that God's going to do it. And that's why we say, in Jesus' name. The greatest weapon I believe that God has given us is his name. So how powerful is it? Let's just answer that question. How powerful is the name of Jesus? Well, if, if you'll turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. I'm not going to read all of chapter 2, but I am going to read verse 9 through 11. And, and chapter 2 is, is one of those mysterious passages in, in Scripture. It talks about Jesus becoming flesh and about, uh, about stepping off the throne and becoming a human being. Now, he never ceased to be God. You've heard me say that over and over and over. But at that moment, he became man. He was the God-man. And, and because he was willing to do that, and because he was willing to die and to pay for our sins, listen to what God did. In Philippians verse 2, or chapter 2, verse 9, it says, Therefore also God highly exalted him, the him there is Jesus. That's who the, this passage is talking about. Therefore, God highly exalted Jesus and bestowed on him the name. Not a name, okay? The name. The name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, a lot of, um, a lot of Christians have taken that to mean uh, down the road, one of these days, that will take place. And it will, okay? Every knee, in the sense that every knee, everything that has a knee will bend it at one time or another. But the reality of it is, is even right now, at the name of Jesus the spirit world bows, okay? Satan kneels. The demons know who Jesus is. And at the use of his name, they kneel. They bow. They confess. They agree. You are God. When Jesus came and he was in his flesh, whenever he encountered the demonic spirits, what was their response? You think about it for a minute. We know who you are. You are the son of the most high God. That's the response every time. El Elyon, if it was in Hebrew. They know who God is. They know who Jesus is. I love the passage in Acts where the, the Jewish exorcists, the sons of Sceva, were, were, were using the name of Jesus, but they didn't know Jesus, Okay. They just, it was another magical formula they packed in their pocket and they pulled it out and they said, hey, in, in Jesus' name, the one that Paul proclaims, be gone. And the demon, what did he say? I know Jesus. I've heard of Paul. Who are you? See, they had no authority or power to use that name. This text says that, that God has given him that name. And so at the name of Jesus, angelic creatures come to attention. They bend their knees, and they agree with God that you are exactly who you say you are. I love Revelations 19.16. What is that name? And when Jesus comes, he's going to have a name. It says, written on his thigh. And that name, according to Revelation 19.16, it says, on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings. 
Lord of Lords. Literally, what, what does that mean? We read that, we say that, we sing that. It means he is the king above every king. Okay? Every king who's ever walked this earth. And there have been some powerful kings, some powerful rulers, some powerful people that walked this earth. Jesus is above every one of them. It says he is Lord of Lords. There have been lots of Lords. But he is the Lord. They are a Lord. He is the Lord. Okay? Literally, he's king who rules over all the kings. He's the Lord who rules over all the lords. And his name is Jesus. Jesus. That word Jesus means the Lord saves. Yeshua. The Lord saves. I want you to just, I want you to close your eyes just a minute. I want you to say it with me, okay? Jesus. Let's say it again. Jesus. Jesus. Come on, y'all say it like you mean it. Jesus. 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 See, the atmosphere changes literally in the room, and it will change in your life if you will begin to speak that name. There's no other name under heaven given whereby we are saved. See, we take that saved to mean saved from sin, but it is a bigger meaning, folks. It means delivered as well. We are delivered from whatever situation or circumstance we are in. We're as children. There's no name under heaven whereby we should be or we must be saved or delivered. What do you, what do you, what do you need? What are you struggling with? What's coming against you this morning? You know what your response ought to be? Jesus. 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 I've got more bills and I've got money. Jesus. Show me how to do this. Show me what to do. How to pay this. How to be faithful in what I've I've agreed to do. I'm sick, Lord. How do I come against that? Jesus. Jesus. In Jesus' name. Lord, I come against that. Folks, listen to me. At the name of Jesus, things change. At the name of Jesus, sin is forgiven. And death has to let go of it with its cold clutch. It has to let go. Listen, I've seen this, okay? I've seen death move back. I've seen sickness move. I've seen healing come at the name of Jesus. I've seen demonic spirits Bend their knee at the name of Jesus and leave because they had no power. It wasn't anything anybody was saying or doing. It was the presence of Jesus in that circumstance, in that situation. I've seen people set free of things that that I don't even want to go into or don't even want to describe, but I've seen them come in this way and leave completely free. A totally different person at the name of Jesus. Folks, that's power. And we have been given that authority and that power. All of us have the the right and the ability to invoke or to, to say his name, to use his name. Listen to me. Authority is the ability to act or speak in another's place. Now, some of you on your jobs have the authority to speak. In our marriage, Kathy has the authority to speak for me, and I have the authority to speak for her in certain situations and circumstances. The same is true in your marriage. We, a lot of us have authority. 
But power is the ability to enforce what has been said. You see, a lot of people have authority, but they have no power. And if all you have is authority, then literally you're speaking empty words or arrogant words. There's two extremes. You can be empty or you can be arrogant. And if you have no power, then what you're speaking is a show. Okay? You're either a bully or there's a disaster about to happen. But Jesus has given us the authority and the power, both of them together. I've had jobs where I I had the responsibility You ever had a job like that? You had the responsibility and no power or authority to accomplish what the person I worked for expected me to do. Jesus didn't do that with us. He gave us his authority. We act in his name, and he gave us his power, the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to look at what Paul says in uh, 1 Corinthians Corinthians 4, chapter... uh, 4, verse 19 and 20. He says, he's talking to the church at Corinth. There there have been a lot of bickering at Corinth that, you know, this this Paul, he writes he writes some pretty rough letters. I mean, that's, that's what there was. He writes some pretty rough letters. He, he doesn't spare any words. I wonder if he's just as tough as he, as he writes in person. That, that's what they were saying. And so I want you to listen. I love this verse here. This is just grabs hold of me a little bit. He says, I will come to see you soon if the Lord wills. In other words, if God allows it, I'm going to come. And I shall find out, not the words of those who are arrogant, but their power. And listen to what he says. For the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. Folks, this is what's wrong with the modern church. We have become word-filled instead of power-filled. We talk, 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 talk. You know what happens when you're around somebody that just talks and talks and talks? <laughs> Y'all know. But, all of, you know, here's what happens. They're talking, and, and, and you're doing your best to pay attention. And all of a sudden, wah, 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 wah. I mean, you, you, I mean y'all all know what I'm talking about. You've all been there. I've been on the other side of the, of the... I can remember with my daughter, I had to learn that a few words are far better than a long, long speech because I could watch her eyes glaze over after about four or five words and it became wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah. She didn't hear a word I said. Y- y'all know what I'm talking about. But that's what's wrong with the church today. We've talked and we've talked and we've talked And we've given no demonstration of who Jesus is. We've not shown the world love. We've shown them judgment. We've shown them anger. Heck, we'll stand on a street corner and wave a sign. We'll scream and yell when we're all together. But when we get out where people are hurting, we've done nothing. We've We've not done anything to alleviate the suffering. And so they're not listening to our words. So you have to put words and, and actions together. That's what has to happen. Jesus has given us that authority. He's given us that power to do with his name. But sadly, we've thrown his name around, sometimes I think, in total ignorance. We really just don't know what it means. 
We don't know the power of it. And we've thrown it around in arrogance, okay? Like I said, there's two extremes. Uh, for some, it, it was, if, if I name it, then I can claim it. Whatever I say is going to happen. Well, that's not what Scripture teaches, okay? That's not what Scripture teaches. But I want us to understand this morning. You may be here, and you're saying, well, you know, I'm just not sure I've got that authority. I've been a Christian for a long time, but, but you know what, Pastor? I, I've, I've not done what I needed to do. I've not been this. I've not done that. Listen to me. I'm, I'm just going to give you some verses, okay? It's not dependent on what you've done or haven't done. Okay, it's dependent on what Jesus says. Now I'm gonna get some opposition here along the way. Okay, every time I get a little, you're gonna to want to go. Yeah, but pastor, that's this. Yeah, but pastor, that's that. Okay, just bear with me. Okay, now in Luke chapter nine, verse one and two, it says this: and Jesus called the twelve together, and he gave them power and authority over all the demons to heal diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healings. I'm going to read that again, okay? And Jesus called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healings. Now, you may, you're, you may be saying, well, you know what? I'm not an apostle. I'm not one of the twelve. That verse doesn't fit me. Okay. Good enough. I want you to look at Luke chapter 10. We're going to look at verse 1, and then we're going to skip over to verse 17 and 19. It says, Now after this, the Lord appointed 70 others, and he sent them out two ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was to come. And if you know the story, he gives them instructions on what to carry, what not to carry, what to do, what not to do, okay? And they come back, and they are blown away, okay? <laughs> we may just use it in a minute over those dogs. Oh, man. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Listen to me. It said, And the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us. They're subject to your name, in your name. That's what he says. They are subject to us in your name. In other words, when we threw out the fact that, that we belong to Jesus, they cowered and they fled. They disappeared. And Jesus said to them, I was watching Satan fall like, like, from heaven like lightning. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall injure you. These 70 here are not the apostles. They're just regular disciples, okay? They're regular disciples. Well, maybe you're still thinking, well, it's not me. It's, that still doesn't reach me. That's still not me. Well, look at Mark chapter 16, verse 15 and 18. Jesus said this, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name, in my name. Don't miss that. That's the key piece here. The rest of it is, is, like, is like icing on the cake. Okay? In my name, they will cast out demons. 
They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink any deadly poison, it shall not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. It's the very same thing he's been saying. He said to the 70 that he said to the 12. Do you see it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger? But here's what I realize. Some of you are saying, well, Pastor, I know that particular passage right there. There's all kind of notes in my Bible that says this may or may not be original. You know, there's some disagreement on whether or not this Jesus really said this or not. Well, I would say, number one, it's in your Bible, right? Okay, God has, has kept it in there for 2,000 years, all right? That's not very, that wouldn't go very far in a theological debate, but in my mind, that's pretty substantial. Okay, let's just go to another passage, all right? Matthew 28, verse 18 and 20. Jesus says, All authority has been given me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you, even or always, even to the end of the age. You go. I'm giving my authority to you. I'm empowering you to go and be my disciples, to be my, my, my teachers. And as you go, you teach those you come in contact with some of the things I taught you. Is that what he said? No. What did he say? All the things I commanded you. What has he commanded them? All kinds of things. If we just go back up to the three previous passages that I gave you, he told them to cast out the, the, the demonic spirits, heal the sick, and preach the gospel of the kingdom. Over and over and over, those three things are found as a part of the authority and the power that we've been given to do. And then, if that's not, you may be saying, well, Nelson, you know, I know we are supposed to go out and witness. Well, he didn't just give us authority, folks. He also gave us the power to do it. Before he arises and goes, I mean, before he ascends and goes into heaven, the last thing he said was this, Acts 1.8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. What did he do? He told them to go to Jerusalem and wait. I've given you this mandate. This is the authority that you have. But you know what? The authority is not enough. I want to give you power to carry it out. And folks, the Spirit of God came on those disciples. He came on those apostles. He came on those men and women who had followed Jesus. And they not only had the authority, they had the power to act. And folks, if I understand Scripture, nothing has changed We've been given Jesus' name to do Jesus' work. Amen? Most believers, though, are not doing Jesus' work. Why not? They don't realize the authority and the power that they've been given. Now, some and too many, and maybe some of you, are still trapped in those old excuses that we've all heard. Well, only the apostles were deputized to do those kind of things. Okay? Can I just tell you that is worn out. That one won't wash. That one won't hunt. Okay? It may bark like a dog. But it won't hunt. Okay? I'm going to leave it alone because they've got quiet. 
Folks, even in the New Testament, there were people who did amazing things that weren't apostles. Philip was an evangelist. Ananias was a, was a, uh, a prophet. And there are others. There's, just, there's lots of them. So that old argument that only the apostles did that, and when John died, that was the end of it. That's a lie from Satan, okay? I'm just going to say it like it is. That's a lie from Satan. That's to make the church weak. The book of Acts does not end. If you'll read it, it does not end. It continues. It's not the acts of the apostles. It's the acts of the Holy Spirit. That's what it is. And his acts continue through the disciples of Jesus, through us. Okay? Now, maybe, maybe that excuse is not the one you're using. Maybe yours, yours is, well, we don't, need, we don't need those things anymore. Things are different. Okay? I just want you to, if you believe that, don't raise your hand. Okay? But that, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Let me ask you this. What's changed since the day Jesus lived in? We don't ride camels or mules for the most part. Amen? But not much, much of anything else. Sin hasn't changed, has it? Hasn't changed a bit. It may be worse. It may be. Okay? Sickness changed. People get sick and people die, don't they? Hadn't changed a bit, has it? Let me ask you this. Has the devil changed? Are demons any different? They still exist. Contrary to what a large part of the church would teach, they still exist. So if nothing's changed, do we not need the same thing they needed to do the things Jesus had given them to do? Oh, but we have the Word, preacher. We have the Word. Folks, they had the word. What we don't realize is, is most of those poor old ignorant uh, Jewish uh, fishermen had memorized more Bible than most of us will ever understand. They knew the Old Testament back and forth. They were schooled in it. From the time that they could, could understand, they had been taught the word of God. And folks, the word of God starts in the Old Testament in Genesis, it goes all the way to the last word in Revelation. It's all the word of God. The Old Testament sets the stage and gives the foundation for the New Testament. Well, preacher, we don't need the Old Testament. Yes, we do need the Old Testament because if without the Old Testament, we have no mooring. We have no anchor. We have no, we're, we're just a ship out of adrift. Does that make sense? Okay. So... We've got the finished Word of God is not a good excuse either when you really look at it, okay? I'm just saying, think about some of the excuses we've used. What the problem is, is, is what's changed is, is the church. What we have become is believing unbelievers, or maybe a better way to say it is unbelieving believers. We say we believe it, but we never act on it. And folks, here's the reality. If we believe something, we act on it. Whatever we believe, we do. And whatever we don't believe, we don't do. We want to use the phrase in Jesus' name at the end of all of our prayers, but we're not exercising the authority and the power. Listen to me. Things will not change in your life. Things will not change 
in your family's life. They will not change in our country until somebody somewhere is willing to stand up and declare in Jesus' name. I love the the uh, the Hobbit movies for whatever reason. You you may not like them. I like them. Okay. And there's a scene in one of them where Gandalf, uh, the the white wizard, is leading. And by the way, the guy who wrote these was a believer. Okay. He was a believer. Uh, he worked in, 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 in the colleges. He was a college professor. And, and so Gandalf is leading uh, this group, and they're going through the, the mines of Mordor, and, and they encounter a demonic spirit that is beyond powerful. And, and Gandalf sends the rest of them ahead, and he makes a stand on that bridge. And, and when I see this, now it may not speak to you, but for me, it's exactly what we're supposed to do. He says, you will not pass. He takes a stand right there. And, and the power that he has overpowers that gigantic demonic spirit. Folks, we have been given the power of Jesus, not some magical uh, power that somebody dreamed up in their head. We've been given the power of Jesus. And the time has come for us to plant our feet and stand firm and say, this will not be the law of the land. This will not be the act of a handful that controls things. This, this sin will not pass, whatever it is. And there are plenty of them to call out. I'm not thinking of just one in particular. This will not take place in my family. This will not happen in my home. This will not happen in my city in Jesus' name. If we would have some people who would stand and declare that in the authority that they've been given and in the power that they have been given, things will change. You may have a physical illness that you're struggling with. Take authority over it in Jesus' name and declare the truth of Scripture. You may have an issue in your marriage. Take the authority of Scripture and declare it over your marriage. You may have a, a child that's a prodigal, and it's as, as far away from God as you can get, as that person can get. Take the Word of God and declare it. Speak into that situation. Use the authority and the power Jesus has given you. Folks, things will not change until we, we begin to, to speak those words and then demonstrate their power and their authority. Now, I can hear some of you, okay? You may not think I can, but you're going, but, 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 but. Listen to me. If you're but, 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 and still, like Woody the Woodpecker, the enemy's drawn his sword. He's charged across the battlefield. He's met no resistance. You're ducked down in your foxhole, and he's climbing over the edge, and he's fixing to cut your head off. It's time to stand up and fight. He will destroy you if you don't use the weapons God has given you. Don't take whatever confronts you as the way it is. Okay? Yes, some things are God's will for your life. I don't happen to believe sickness is one of them. I don't happen to believe wicked and evil things are, uh, are those things. There are a lot of things that we blame God for that God has nothing to do with. Okay? If you declare in Jesus' name against something that God's doing in your life, listen to me. God will let you know, hey, this is me. Be patient. Okay? Trust me. 
But it's time we stood up to some of the things that we've accepted. Folks, listen. Listen to the words of Jesus. Now, I'm going to... This one won't be on the screen because I'm, I didn't... Uh, I just didn't get it there, okay? But Jesus says four, th- four times the same thing in, in less than, than, than three chapters. And it's the last night of his life, okay? These are, these are if you could put yourself in his place, you've got a few hours with your most trusted companions. What are you going to talk about? I'll guarantee you it ain't going to be the batting average of somebody that plays for the Atlanta Braves. Okay, it's not going to be the weather, right? You're going to share those things that are key. The things that, I mean, you've given thought to this, and these are the things I'm going to share. This is, this is what I've got to communicate to these guys. I've got to pour this into them. Listen to what he says in John chapter 14, verse 13 and 14. Now, this is right after he says that, we, that he's telling his followers that you can do the works I've done. The very same things I've done that you've seen me do, you can do. And even greater. Okay, that's, that kind of sets the context. And then he says this, You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. Because the work of the Son brings glory to the Father. Yes, ask anything in my name, and I will do it. In John 15, just a, a few verses later, John fifteen seven, he says this, If you abide in me, My my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. Folks, we have to stay in Christ. We have to abide. What does abide mean? Well, abide means I remain so close to Jesus that when somebody meets me, they can't tell if it's me or Jesus. That's that's the best definition of, of, of divide I can come up with. It means that, literally, it means you can't tell us apart, that I'm in Christ and Christ is in me. In essence, we're one and the same. We're, I, I'm doing and I'm saying what Jesus has told me to say and what he's told me to do. Literally, it's, it's the idea of I've pulled back the flap on Jesus' tent and I've gone in. Pull the flap back. I rest there. And I'm so close that I, I can hear the heart of Jesus beat. And I'm so in, intimate with him, I know exactly what he wants done at every moment. That's literally what abide means. If I will abide in me, him, and I will allow his words to abide in me. Folks, I don't even know how to describe the kind of power that would come from that. I, I can't describe it. I don't know how to put words to it. But he says, ask and it shall be done for you. It's evident that when you're in Christ and you're relaxing in Christ, there's no wondering what to pray. There, there's, there's no anxiety. There's no worry. His will is kind of evident because I'm experiencing him moment by moment. I know exactly what he wants. Last week, we, we talked about how God has made us alive with Christ. He's raised us up with Christ. He's seated us with Christ in heavenly places. And folks, if we're not experiencing that level of relationship, why not? Whose fault is that? Is it God's? It's ours. It's ours. Listen to this next verse, John fifteen sixteen. just a few verses later, nine verses in fact. He says, you did not choose me. You didn't choose me. That's what he's telling these men. 
You didn't choose me. And listen to me. You didn't choose him either. Okay? You did not choose me. That's exactly what we learned last a couple of weeks ago in Ephesians chapter 1, 4. God chose us in Jesus before the foundation of the world. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I handpicked you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask in the Father, the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Jesus says, I picked you. I gave you authority. I gave you power. Why are you not asking for my will to be done on earth like it's done in heaven? That, that's what he's, what he's telling these disciples. That's what he's saying to us. And then Jesus repeats that same thing one more time in John 16. Verse 23 and 24, he says, In that day you will ask me no question. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father anything, he will give it to you in my name. Till now you've asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be made full. In just a few minutes, Jesus will will begin to pray. And we call it his high, high priestly prayer. And let's just be real honest. Sometimes when you read it, you, get, you sort of get tied up in knots because he starts talking about that I would be, I'm one with you and you're one with me and that they will be one with you. Do y'all ever have any, do y'all struggle with that? Okay, let's, I do. I, I just get knotted. I can't tell which direction I'm going sometimes. But listen to me, even when I'm knotted up and don't know what to do, this is a powerful prayer. This is a powerful prayer. Listen to what Jesus says in in verse 6 through 12. And then I'm going to read verse 20. Jesus says this. He's praying to God. He's pouring his heart. He said, I manifested your name to these men. I, I, I opened you up. I showed them your name. I manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words which you gave me, I have given to them. And they received them. And they truly understand that I come, came forth from you. And they believe that you sent me. I asked on their behalf. I did not ask on behalf of the world. He's asking on behalf of, of those that were his followers. But of those whom you have given me. For they are yours. And all things that are mine are yours. And yours are mine. And I have glorified I have been glorified in them. I am no more in this world, and I come to you. Listen to this now. Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me. Now, let, just let that settle, okay? Keep them in your name, the name you have given me. See, the name of Jesus is the name of God. We bear the name of God. He says, Give them, Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them in your name, which you have given me, I guarded them, and not one of them perished. And then, you know, I have people all the time, yeah, well, Jesus prayed for his disciples, but he didn't ever pray for me. Listen to what verse 20 says. I do not ask in behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their words. Folks, that would be 100% of us. Every one of us have come to know Jesus Christ through the words of the apostles and through the words of Jesus. Amen? None of us would have ever heard the gospel had it not have been for the apostles. 
So Jesus did pray for us. You see, is it starting to dawn on you how powerful his name really is? Folks, everything that Jesus has is available for us. We're heirs of God. That's what Ephesians says, or Romans. We're joint heirs with Jesus. An heir is an equal participant. Okay? His name is the key to whatever we need, whatever you need right now. It's a weapon that gives us access to everything we need to be victorious. It's right there. It's a name that brings refuge. It's a name that brings restoration. It's a name that brings relationships. See, that's not a part of of what we say here because it sounds really good. Eagles Wing Church, a place of refuge, restoration, relationship. No. That's real. That's what God does. He gives us refuge. He restores us. He gives us relationship with Him. Folks, Satan trembles at the name of Jesus. Demonic spirits run at the name of Jesus. You and I represent Jesus. It's not you by yourself in the fight. It's always you in Christ. You in Jesus. In every situation. Wherever you go. It's you and Jesus. And really, it's Jesus. Okay? Let's just get down and be serious. It's Jesus. So whenever the devil comes against you, guess what? He's coming against Jesus. And Jesus has given you His authority and His power to use His name to be victorious. Folks, it's not a name we tack on the end of a prayer. It's the authority and power that we have been given as sons and daughters of the King to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. And to make sure that his will is done here like it's done every moment in heaven. You know what? We've grown fat on revelation. Okay, a revelation is a word from God. We've got fat on revelation. I know you probably don't like that. Nelson, you could have said that a little bit different. Okay, we've become overweight on revelation. We've become gluttons of sermons. Okay? Is that plain enough? I'm saying it with a smile. Revelation reveals our inheritance. Okay? That's how we find out what God says. But folks, for us to experience it means we've got to explore it. We've got to handle it. We've got to experiment. You do experiments, you know what? Sometimes you're successful, sometimes you fail. God's calling us to take His name, take the authority He's given us, take the power He's given us, and use it. Okay? And use it. We can listen to it. We can understand that. I can put that in my backpack, and all I will do is get heavier and heavier and heavier with revelation. I will never have any experience. Folks, it's time we stop sitting and soaking up sermons, and started experimenting with what we hear. Trying it out in the workplace. you got a situation in your workplace? Speak the name of Jesus over it. you got an employee that's 
I got to be careful what I say here. That is a is a pain. That just won't do what you want done. Speak the name of Jesus over the situation, over that employee. Bring that stuff into alignment. The name of Jesus turns chaos and confusion into order. It does. I've, I've done it with children before. I've done it with my granddaughter. and I, I, I've, I've seen God just... And all of a sudden... What do you want, Papa? I've seen it in my own life. When I was panicked, didn't know what to do, scared to death, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Folks, it's time we begin to use the name of Jesus. Start in your own life and then work out, okay? If it doesn't work in your life, guess what? It won't work anywhere else. Learn what your authority is and exercise the power you have been given in your life and then begin to take ground. Amen? Let's pray. Father, this morning. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.